0: Hi everyone! Welcome to this edition of War Lions Radio. I'm your host Bill DeFilippo, joined by my co-host Nick Pollock. Nick, I am very happy that we are uh, doing this week's pod under the circumstances under which we are doing this week's pod.
1: As am I, and you know what, Bill? I'm not afraid to say it. You know what was different about the lead up to this game than any other game Penn State has played in the last two years?
0: um well i was going to say there was a bye week but you put the qualifier of, of the last two years here um mm-hmm. hmm, was it that hmm, i'm i'm not sure nick uh, i
1: it, it was that you were not on the preview podcast
0: oh wow no i yeah there, there had to have been an a preview podcast Sometime over the last few years, where I wasn't able to come on, like there. Had
1: I don't been. know. I don't think I alone have done one.
0: I'm trying to think back, and I haven't like been able. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through and I will fact check this, but we'll tentatively say uh, that happened. And if that happened, hey, hopefully that factored into the fact that Penn State was able to just kick the crap out of Michigan, 42. 13. Uh, I I think Nick and I were both expecting Penn State to win. I don't think we were expecting anything even close to that. Trace McSorley, 17 for 26, 282 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Saquon Barkley, 15 rushes for 108 yards and a pair of scores. Trace McSorley, 11 rushes, 76 yards and 3 scores. Deshaun Hamilton, 6 receptions, 115 yards and then Penn State's defense just smothered Michigan's offense. 269 total yards, for the Wolverines, Penn State and actually ran nine fewer plays than Michigan did, and yet it was just a, it was night and day in terms of the offensive numbers that were put up, which is a reflection of both, uh, both offenses and both defenses. So Nick, start this week with a question we ask every week. What did we learn from this Penn State win?
1: You know what, Bill? I'm not afraid to say it. Penn State's offensive line they're okay.
0: Yeah. they yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that you and I were in agreement that Penn State, the two defensive fronts it was going to face uh, over this course of a couple of weeks that it were causes for concern were Michigan and Ohio State. Like those were going to be the fronts that Penn State's a lot. It was, you know, sink or swim. And they, sw- they swam in a big way.
1: Do you happen to know how many sacks Michigan had on that night? Because I know,
0: I think one, maybe two.
1: The answer is two.
0: Two? Yeah. That's
1: pretty. That's pretty incredible when you consider which offensive line was blocking and what team was playing defense. That's a pretty incredible number.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about this uh, in a little bit, but. I was just stunned at how Penn State was able to control this game in the trenches. I mean, when you look at every defensive line stat that uh, Football Outsiders has, adjusted line yards, standard down line yards, passing down line yards, uh, opposition rank, power success rate, stuff rate, adjusted sack rate, standard and passing down sack rate, Michigan is a top 12 defense in all of those metrics except for passing down sack rate where they were 40th. Still a really good mark. And it was just crazy to think that, and there's something, I wrote this uh, last week, uh, maybe a week and a half ago, when I did kind of a statistical review of Penn State's offense through the first half of the season. It was that there are numbers here which suggest that Penn State's offensive line is better than we think it's numbers at basically everything save for its stuff rate numbers were pretty solid and I mean nothing crazy but there was a line that we kept hearing from uh, Matt Grover, from Joe Moorhead might have said at a time or two and for the various offensive linemen if we're able to hold our blocks for another half second we're going to be a suddenly everything opens up and Nick seeing as how Penn state ran for 224 yards last night, I think we got proof that that was true and we got a little bit of optimism uh, for the next two weeks when Penn state will face two pretty good defensive fronts in Ohio state and Michigan state. And then for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. It kind of makes me think of something that uh, Bill Connolly actually said when he was, when he was on the podcast with you uh, when you guys were kind of diving into the numbers a little deeper and The conclusion that Bill pretty much came to was that when Penn State, particularly talking about the run game, uh, when Penn State runs the football, it's either going to be a blow up in the backfield or it's going for at least five yards. So the goal really right now of what the Penn State offensive line needs to do is find a way to just bridge that. And like you said, it's what we've heard from Matt Linegraver. Hold those blocks for half a second longer. Finish that block a little bit harder. Finish that block a little bit nastier. And the run game was not perfect in this game by any means. Uh, Barkley went for 69 on that first run. I think the second touchdown one run was, what, like 15-ish yards? Um, so whatever, whatever that ended up being, that counted for the large majority of his yardage. He had 13 other carries in the game that in total, really didn't go for all that much. So the run game's still not perfect, but it it was still visibly better than it had been, especially when you consider the opponent. Like, this isn't... It's not like they've been facing this same... a defense of this caliber all year. They have not faced a defense of this caliber yet. This is the until Saturday night, it's probably going to change now, but until Saturday's game, this was the defense. There was not a better defense than this one. And the way that the line was able to hold up, the way they were able to give McSorley time and open up a few more lanes for Barkley than they normally had been, and opening up lanes for McSorley too as a runner. He was awesome as a runner. So just the amount of growth that they showed... From Northwestern until now, uh, particularly Will Fries, who played the entire game at right tackle, I believe, and was uh, every awesome.
0: every offensive lineman played every uh, snap, like every starting yeah. Offensive but lineman yeah, just as a game, yeah. as a unit, they they were just they were great. They really were. Yeah, and it it seems like such a simple thing, but if you are able to turn those, you know, those negative two, negative three yard runs that uh, Penn State will sometimes have. You turn those into even like a one yard run. That makes the job of an offense a lot easier. So much more of the playbook is opened up when, you know, you only have to get four or five yards and you're in an advantageous position on third down. Instead of you're in these second and long positions, you have to be able to, you know, you're probably more likely to throw the ball, something like that. And I think that Penn State was. Uh Penn State showed that, yeah let's let's try and get those negative rushing plays i I don't know the exact number. I don't have that up anywhere. uh I haven't seen it the Penn state's uh stuff rate on the night, but it was it it just seemed different, which if Penn State was doing a quote unquote seem different thing against Northwestern or Maryland, or something like that, that's one thing. But the fact that Penn State's offensive line didn't seem overmatched and completely out of its element against a defensive front that has just dominated teams this year, I think that's a huge thing. Uh, Another thing that I thought was, you know, that I really learned was, I'm thinking of something that you wrote, Nick, which was, we haven't seen much of that go deep offense this year. From Penn State. We haven't seen Trace McSorley, you know, just get in a position where he's putting the ball in his hands, he's looking down the field, and he's letting it rip. And we saw that a few times against Michigan. We saw Penn State say, We're going to try and take advantage of the fact that we think we have the size, we think we have the physicality, we think we have the athleticism, that if we put the ball up in the air, we're going to be able to go get it no matter what you want. And we saw Mike Kosicki do that a few times. We saw Deshaun Hamilton do that a few times. Uh, we saw Saquon Barkley just torch on two separate occasions, just absolutely destroy uh, various players on. Poor Mike season. McCray. Yeah. I mean, there was one wheel route that he dropped. It happens. Uh, there was that second one that he bobbled and he had to catch it catching for the touchdown. But each time it was just he blew right by them. And I think that this is, if there was one thing coming into this game that I completely believed that the offense that uh, the team was saying, the offensive staff was saying all that, it was that there were wrinkles within the offense that they had not shown yet. They knew they can get through those first six games of the year with only, uh, you, you know, we're only showing X percent of the playbook, and that X is something other than 100%. And this was kind of proof of that. We saw Trace McSorley suddenly look to go deep. Uh, Going back to the offensive line for a second, we know that McSorley is at his best when he gets that chance to improvise a little bit and get outside of the pocket and then just rip one down the field. He did that a couple of times. So he kind of got out of that chaos and got into a position. I remember one vividly where Kaleek Hudson looks like he has... Uh, McSorley dead to rights, and McSorley just ducks and shakes him and then rolls out to his right and throws one down the field. I want to say Deshaun Hamilton caught it, but I don't remember exactly it did. But just seeing Penn State start looking deep. Against Michigan, that was big because, you know, that means the offensive line's holding me up. That's going to be huge next week against Ohio State. And we'll talk about this uh, a little later on this pod and a little later in the week, obviously. But Ohio State's weakness... Uh, on its defense, is its secondary. Ohio State's a really young secondary, very talented, but we saw Richard Lagow and Simi Cobbs connect for some passes against them that really uh, made them look weak. We saw Baker Mayfield torch them in Columbus. So, I'm very interested to see the re- the quote-unquote return of the deep state, so to speak. And I'm very interested to see how that uh, impacts the team next week, because Nick, if Penn State is suddenly in a position where Trace McSorley has time to throw those deep balls, and Penn State's able to let its superior athletes on the perimeter make plays, that opens up some, a, a portion of the offensive playbook that we just have not seen this year, and will make this offense go from, it's been really good, to, oh my god, it's terrifying.
1: Yeah, we've been talking all year about the the lack of those deep balls and why that, why that's been the case. Um, and I think the common the common argument for why we haven't really seen that as much from Mick Sorley and Joe Moorhead this year is because Chris Godwin's gone, and that's perfectly fair. Chris Godwin was unbelievable at going up and getting the ball in those one on one situations. But Penn State still has plenty of dudes who are able to win those battles. I mean Deshaun Hamilton's been doing it all year. He's the one guy who has gotten consistent deep balls this year. We know Mike Gasicki can jump as high as humanly possible. Um, Trace McSorley's neck also knows that very well now. We know we haven't really seen Juwan Johnson in a jump ball situation, but the dude's a giant, and I'm sure he could win that if asked to do so. So it's it was it almost seems now Like There was a purposeful effort to try to keep that part of the playbook under wraps a bit. Not that it's a secret, because that's what they did all year. But now it really does kind of seem like there was an effort to not bust it out right away. And part of that also has to do with the defense. Michigan is probably, aside from Northwestern, because Northwestern played pretty aggressively... The way that Michigan likes to play defense is probably the most aggressive that Penn State had seen to this point. So uh, that's the kind of team that you want to take deep shots on. So the opponent obviously has a plays a factor there too. It's amazing to see every single week that there's always something else Joe Moorhead has in his bag of tricks. And I'm sure we'll spend some time later talking about the the new wildcat-ish formation because I definitely want to talk about that, but it's it has me excited for next week to see what else
0: this offense can do. Yeah, and let's you know, what, Nick, let's actually get on that because yes, let's talk about things that surprised you from this game because there are a few things in here that you know I certainly wasn't expecting both in terms of stuff Penn State did and just some more general overarching things within the game. But let's just start some stuff that surprised you, and by the sounds of it, you want to talk about that uh, that little very slight formational shift that led to Saquon Barkley's uh, first touchdown.
1: Bill, did you ever play NFL head coach?
0: I remember the game, and I owned it. Uh, My big thing was I would always ignore my assistant GM during the draft, and he hated me, so I just kind of stopped playing it.
1: Of course, yeah, fair enough. Um, (laughs) Brian, Brian, if you're listening to this, Brian and I actually bought it off eBay for like $5 um, during school and played for a while and just drafted all the people we knew we ended up good in real life, and most of them didn't actually end up good in the game, but that's not the point. When you're playing that game, you have total control of, also, terrible game, never play it, but you have total control over um, play design, everything. When you, when we, if we were to go and try to design some sort of play for an offense, let's say Penn State's offense, if we were supposed to, if we were tasked with designing something to catch a defense off guard, um, something that could be a game changer, we would probably it would probably be some combination of routes like some some sort of a check checkdown system that we've seen Penn State run probably a wheel route probably some sort of cross over the middle just what Joe Moore had designed with that wildcat play I, I don't think I've ever seen something quite like that um, that's the kind of thing that normal people don't really think to do just to shift your quarterback and running back just Two feet to the left, and because in doing that, it—I know—Fowler um, and Herbstreet talked about this when they did it the first time on the Saquon Barkley 69-yard touchdown. They talked about how Gary uh, just went straight up the field immediately, and that that's what left that giant gaping hole for Barkley to go through. That's, who who prepares for that? How can you prepare for that? Yep, yep. You can't you can't go straight into okay, we're attacking. It's a wildcat formation because McSorley's right next to him. Yep. He could just hand it off and throw like. And p- people don't think to do things like that. Joe Moorhead is insane, and it's
0: beautiful. <laughs> and yeah, there's I, I'm actually glad that you mentioned that because they also. I, you know, I just went back and I watched the half hour condensed version of the game uh, before we did this. And I believe, yeah, Herb Street pointed out that there, in addition to just the uniqueness of running a read option where it's your running back giving it or pulling it from your quarterback and not the other way around, the blocking on that play, Stephen Gonzalez pulled to the right side of the line. Michigan's linebackers took that as it's a handoff to Trace McSorley. Partly because they've never seen that before, and they're just assuming, oh, of course they're going to give it to Trace McSorley. Saquon Barkley pulls it, just goes right up there, and next thing you know, 69 yards later, he's in the end zone. It was a just such a unique play design, and I think we also have to remember that let's go back to the Indiana game for a second where Saquon Barkley throws for a touchdown. I'm sure that is in somebody's mind and that kind of freezes everyone a little bit because it showed that Saquon Barkley in addition to being the best running back in the country can run can throw the ball a little bit and is the kind of guy that you know you can't just assume unlike you know some other dudes who have been back there in the wildcat oh it's the wildcat he's going to obviously just run the football he can throw the ball a little bit too and this I kept thinking as they kept running plays out of that formation well obviously the next thing that they're going to do is have Saquon Barkley throw a pass and I think like I've gone back and forth on whether or not they're going to do that against Ohio State uh just because you're probably a little bit uh I don't don't know if you're comfortable with him throwing it against Ohio State or just
1: hand the ball to McSorley McSorley. we haven't seen
0: that wrinkle yet either I mean there are wrinkles within this formation that we have not seen yet. And I'm very, very excited to see what those wrinkles are going to be. Uh, one other thing that I want to talk about that really, really surprised me. And, you, you know, this, some people might say, oh, this is unsavory language. I don't know or care. But the one thing that I was not expecting. I was expecting a lot of stuff going into this game. I was expecting, uh, you know, maybe Penn State wins a close one. Maybe Penn State's able to get a couple of big plays and it's able to lead to a comfortable win. Maybe even on the other side. Like, there's literally nothing that I wasn't fully expecting in this game other than what happened, which was that Penn State just kicked Michigan's ass. Like, I don't mean that in terms of the score. I mean, you know, in the trenches, you have Michigan, Michigan, a school that prides itself on its ability to be more physical than you. This has been one of Jim Harbaugh's things going back to when he was at San Jose State. What he is going to do is he is going to win at the line of scrimmage. He's going to run the football, you know, short passes, all that. Then on the other side, his defenses are going to push you around up front and make you do things you don't want to do. Okay? They not only didn't do that, they didn't have the opportunity to do that. Penn State was more physical. Penn State was more aggressive. And Penn State, it just seemed like they wanted to win this game more and wanted to punch Michigan in the mouth in a way that Even if they wanted to, I didn't expect them to be able to do because I thought Michigan was not going to let them do that. And when I see that, that's the kind of thing that gives me so much uh, optimism and encouragement heading into the next couple of weeks because Ohio State's going to try and push them around. Michigan State's going to try and push them around. Rutgers is going to try and push them around and on both sides of the ball. And we saw Penn State go up against the team that is going to do that to them and say, nuh-uh, you're not doing that. If that, In fact, we're going to do that to you. I I don't know about you, Nick, but not only did I not see that coming, but that's about as good of a sign that we can have going forward, you know, coming out of this game as we could have gotten.
1: I think Penn State fans all kind of in the back of our minds we had i think we all had a shred of a thought that something like this was possible just knowing what penn state's offense is what their defense is knowing that michigan has struggled this year i think there was a little tiny sliver of everyone that thought this was possible
0: but and, to and of course to, see just it, to like st- oh no okay fine fine sorry continue
1: I was just going to say, that actually see it play out that way was kind of surreal. I mean, I wrote in one of the post-game things that I posted on Rural Lions Roar, I said, um, basically, despite despite the things that were should have been working against Penn State's offense, um, considering all the things that Penn State's defense did, they did exactly what they were supposed to do in this game, and exactly what Penn State did is not supposed to happen to Michigan. Even in a year where they're replacing so many starters, even in a year where their starting quarterback goes down and they're on the second strike, you are not supposed to be able to do that to a
0: Michigan defense. You're just not. Yeah, and there was one thing that I – there was this one little thing I kept – I could not shake heading into the game, which was that – and this is something that you know for Heisman hopes and all that stuff is real nice – I couldn't help but shake this feeling that all week, for the last two weeks, and really the entire season, the one thing that has been a constant in the Big Ten is, Saquon Barkley is the man, you cannot stop him, even if you can stop him, he's still going to get his, he's going to win the Heisman. And all I could think was, that is the exact kind of thing that Michigan Beasts off of. That's the kind of thing where, if you're saying that in front of, you know, Michigan football and Jim Harbaugh and Dom Brown and all those people, that's the kind of thing they're going to put up on that bulletin board and they're going to go, Do you see what they think? They think that you can't stop him. Go out there and prove them wrong. And they could not stop him. Saquon Barkley touched the ball 18 times, scored three times and had 161 yards a total offense against Michigan. There's Trace McSorley also. Shreds them with his arm and his legs. Did all of these things. And then even on the other side with Michigan's running game. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, Karan Higdon and Ty Isaac are both, and Chris Evans too, and except they're all solid running backs. I mean, they haven't been, you know, they haven't been Saquon Barkley this year. But they've been pretty decent and the offensive lines at times has been able to give them some space, nothing. Penn State did not let Michigan get a single thing in this game, and that is awesome. And that's why heading into our next thing, Nick, any causes for concern, I, I really can't think of anything major, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this.
1: I can think of a few. I know, I know I touched on this before, but outside of the two Barkley touchdown runs, he still did get stuffed in the backfield a lot. Granted, it's Michigan, but Ohio State's defensive line is better than Michigan's defensive line, so it's not like there's going to be any let up there. Um McSorley ended the, <laughs> uh, we can talk more about McSorley in a moment, but he he definitely did stood definitely still did struggle with his accuracy a little bit missed on a couple plays that could have gone probably for 25 plus yards maybe touchdowns um but i mean he rebounded really well and we'll talk about more we'll talk about him more in just a minute and then the other thing though that i think i don't know if it'll be able to be addressed i it might just be part of the process of this team right now but Whereas last year, Penn State was just a second-half team. This year, they've evolved to being a first-quarter and second-half team. And we've kind of seen the pattern develop now multiple times. They'll dominate the beginning of the first quarter. As the first quarter is winding down, the opposing team will start to figure them out. The second quarter, we'll see whoever they're playing against really get something going. And then the second half, Penn State will just shove on the gas and it'll be over. I think that is a little concerning when you're facing a team that can score so quickly like Ohio State, just because if you let up at any point they could get to a place where they can put things out of reach but I mean really, that's nitpicking (laughs) this, (laughs) ha, pun intended nitpicking Um, there's, yeah, there's not a lot of negatives about this team, they're not perfect by any means, but they are really, really good
0: yeah, I, I the miscommunication that led to McSorley's touchdown was not touchdown interception was like that that wasn't cool. Um, but you know, outside of really that one turnover, I, Penn State took care of the ball. Penn State committed one penalty all game. They averaged six point four yards per rush. When they threw the ball, it went for eleven yards and you know 26 attempts, twenty six attempts, 282 yards. Well, like, they were really good on fourth, a da- uh, third down. They didn't get the one fourth down they went for because Lavert Hill made a great play. Whatever, I, I like. I'm I'm struggling to find something that really left me discouraged. I mean, the what you said about you know the rushing attack wasn't always fantastic. Like I I can't mark that down as a massive concern because. You know, that's exactly what we expected out of Michigan's front. And Saquon Barkley still got 108 yards against them. Like, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking through here. I mean, Some of the special teams, uh, by Penn, their coverage, Penn State's coverage unit wasn't always great on kickoffs. Uh, I, Ambry Thomas broke one for 43 yards. I, you know, they didn't get anything on punt returns. Yeah, like, I I can't find a glaring concern. Uh, Really, the only glaring concern I could think of was that we ever thought Quinn Nordine can make kicks here. Am I right, folks? Am I right?
1: I'm coming home, coming (laughs) home. Tell the world I'm coming home.
0: Yeah, I mean, that... uh, You weren't there, Nick, so you didn't get a sense of it, but I was there, and I was kicking into the and i was uh behind the net that he was kicking into it started as a few people booing and then next thing you know is just this gigantic chorus of boos raining down upon this I th- kicker i
1: think my favorite part of that is that half the people booing probably just zero idea booing no just because idea.
0: yeah oh god
1: that's that's the best part
0: and that well and the thing is like everyone in there probably saw his commitment video and Knows all that and like listen, I am I, I'm one of those people. I'm of the belief: if you're a kid, do what's best for you, do what's best for your family, do what you think is going to be the best, give you the best shot at you know getting a good education, maybe going to the NFL. But if you don't want to go to the NFL, getting a degree so that next year, two years, three years after your college career, you're in a really good place. But having said all of that, it felt really good to boo him. And I don't know why there was just something like really cathartic about it. I, booing him was great. I I suppose, uh, you know, like I wasn't feeling that way towards Khalil Hudson. Who I mean, he was never really committed here, but uh, he's also a total monster, and I'm terrified of him. And he's going to be a massive headache for the next couple of years. Neither here nor there. But like Lavert Hill, I didn't feel that way towards him. Like I don't like Michael Dwumford didn't play. Uh, Jared Wangor he did feel that. oh he did
1: he had two tackles and half a
0: tackle oh, for good loss good for him and then what about Jared Wangler
1: um I don't I assume he didn't play yeah. but I can
0: oh yes he did yeah he like, had a tackle like yeah. yeah like good for them I'm happy for all of them like whatever I'm glad they got the opportunity to you know they went to a school where they felt like they're at home fine but Quinn Nordine in that moment was that was good like, it just felt good, I think, for me and for a lot of Penn State fans getting that out. Um, yeah, I I back to what we were talking about, I can't think of any massive causes for concern other than, you know, there were a couple of things that weren't really great that I mentioned that I think can and will either be ironed out or they're just things that are going to be here, whatever, they're fine. I, I, I want to talk about one final thing. We're going to do our big Ohio State preview pod a little bit later in the week. Uh, we're going to have one of our friends from Eleven Warriors come on and talk through all of this with us. But
1: no, this week they are enemies.
0: No, they they, they can still be friends. They they pay our server fees. So enemies. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we I, I suppose we love you, whatever. Uh, so let's look at. This game, and after this game, Penn State's in 7-0. 7-0. Penn State's the number two team in the country. Penn State right now looks like a team that it doesn't just have hopes of making it to the playoff. There's almost an expectation that Penn State will make the playoff at this point. It Assuming they can get past Ohio State. So Nick... After this game, how do you feel about going into Columbus for what's going to be just an absolute war with the Buckeyes?
1: I think you have to feel better. I'm not going to say that I'm confident Penn State will win. I think Penn State has a chance to win. But it's hard to not be confident after seeing this offense put up 42 points on a defense that by most metrics has been better overall than Ohio State's. Now, Ohio State's defense is a little more experienced aside from the secondary and their defensive line is probably better than Michigan's, though it's close, but I, you have to feel better. It's not, you, don't. if you're saying that you're positive Penn State's going to win, then I'd, good for you. I don't know what cloud you're sitting on. Yeah, but no, it,
0: I mean, if you think that, like, by all means, like, come on over here and let us know why, because I'd like to learn it.
1: Yeah, I mean, going into Columbus is not an easy thing to do, especially with the hype surrounding this game. And, I mean, don't forget that Ohio State wants payback from last year. It's It didn't really derail their season or anything. They still made it to the playoff, but it kept them from winning the Big Ten. And they left that game last year thinking we probably should have won that game. We had field goal block. Yeah, it was a great play and something that we've analyzed and shown that it was pretty purposeful the way Cawthorn cleared a lane, where Allen jumped from, where Haley was waiting for a possible ball to scoop up. And special teams are part of the game, but if you're on the Ohio State side, you can't help but feel like, wow, we there's one thing we couldn't do and that's why we lost. So there's definitely some there's definitely a revenge factor here, just like there is a revenge factor here for Penn state and Michigan. So there are a lot of factors not working in Penn state's favor. So I think it's just important to keep that in mind as we move forward with this week. But I, you have to be, you have to feel a little better after what we saw.
0: And I think we have to point out, there is a reason why Penn state is going into this game as a seven point underdog. Like, Michigan. Yes, because Ohio. betting <laughs> works differently than your thoughts. Yes, Ohio State is really good. I mean, they're the number one team of the country by S and P Plus, and yeah, since the uh, since the loss to Oklahoma, they've mostly mowed through teams that aren't uh, outstanding. Army, UNLV, Rutgers, Maryland, Nebraska—the best team of those five by S and P Plus is Army, and they're at seventy-first. So, this is really the biggest hurdle that Ohio State has had to clear since that loss to Oklahoma. And I know that, you know, after his team loses, Urban Meyer just kind of goes to another level, and his teams always seem to get really, really scary after those moments. But there's. I have to think that after watching. Penn State fold in a few new wrinkles offensively and watch Penn State's defense do the, you know, be the Penn State defense that we all expected it to be against Michigan. Just another really dominant performance by the Nittany Lion defense. I think you have to feel really, really good heading into this one. I don't think that Penn State's going to win still, but. I think that Penn State is going to, you know, really give them a fight, and we will have some thoughts a little bit later in this week. And Nick, if you had, you know, how do you feel right now in terms of like a uh, final score? And I guess the big thing is, do you think Penn State's offense is going to be able to not do what it did against Michigan, but you know, look really, really good and be able to move the ball a bit against Ohio State and do that sort of thing?
1: I think they'll be able to move the ball. I think the bigger question in this game is going to be whether or not Penn State's defense is able to stop the Ohio State offense.
0: Interesting. Why is that?
1: I mean, I, I like we said, I think that Penn State just showed that they can score on pretty much anyone. So as great as Penn State's defense has been, they haven't faced a team that has been in the... I don't know, not even the top 70 in offense. I don't know what I don't know what Indiana's offensive S P plus is, but they have not faced good, good offensive teams, and Ohio State will by far I mean think they're the number one S P plus offense right now. So this Ohio State will by far be the best offensive team they've played, and I think you have to be at least a little bit leery of what that will look like because as great as Penn State's defense has been, this will be the biggest test. So for me, that's what the game is going to come down to.
0: Yeah, and I'm – again, we'll talk about this a little bit more uh the coming days, weeks – well, not weeks, probably just days, I would imagine, but in the coming days, how Penn State ends up winning this game. But for now, let's we'll just go around the Big Ten. Nick starting with Wisconsin, 38-13 win over Maryland. I didn't watch a minute of this game, but my guess is that Jonathan Taylor just ran the ball all over the place and Maryland couldn't really do anything.
1: Yeah, Jonathan Taylor did his thing, the defense did their thing, and Wisconsin's not going to lose until the Big Ten Championship, maybe.
0: I think the sooner that everyone just like comes to grips with that, it'll be a lot easier, because Wisconsin's schedule for the rest of the season is just like super-duper butt, so it would be legitimately stunning if they lost a single game. I mean, we They do have the,
1: Michigan, but
0: well, yeah, I mean, I I don't know how confident I feel in Michigan being Although that is the kind of game that I would expect Michigan to win, one where like big, strong, physical, that sort of thing. So, it's also there like two and oh, no, yeah, it's coming off of a game against Iowa where I was going to punch them in the fit punch them in the mouth a few times, like yeah.
1: Wisconsin hasn't played Iowa yet, have they?
0: No, it's the that's the week before Michigan
1: that yeah that could be that could be tricky for Wisconsin, too, because Wisconsin does what Iowa does, and when you try to do what Iowa does, it sometimes doesn't work out
0: mm-hmm. next up, Michigan State, Indiana, I was able to keep tabs on this one. I wasn't able to watch it uh too terribly closely, but the prevailing thing for me in this one was it looked like it took a while for Michigan State to be able to do much of anything, and then they were able to do that at the very end and yeah. I mean, just, that's, whatever. I mean, Michigan State got a win they should have gotten. It was a little more uncomfortable than it probably should have been. But I'm still not convinced they're great. I think they're going to lose at least one time uh, between Penn State and Ohio State, where they have, you know, Penn State at home and then traveling to Ohio State. And then maybe even before then, like, Maybe that trip to Northwestern gives them some problems. I don't think so, and then maybe Maryland gives them issues. I'm not sure, but I'm still not totally sold on Michigan State, Nick.
1: No, Sparty's on borrowed time right now. Um, I didn't get to watch a lot of this game because um, my phone actually my phone passed away in its sleep on Friday night. Uh, it wasn't a long service; uh, just a little reception with some hmm. friends and family afterwards. But
0: well, um, well I, I thought if your phone died, there wouldn't be any reception.
1: Oh, <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, but yeah, so I spent the about two hours of my Saturday sitting in the Apple store trying to decide whether or not it made more sense to get an Apple seven or Apple seven an iPhone seven an iPhone eight or a replacement of the iPhone six that I had. And that was stressful. And of course, my phone didn't work, so I didn't get to watch any football during that time. And I came home and I looked at the score <laughs> Of the Michigan State Indiana game, and I said, "I'm sorry, what quarter is it?" So that pretty much tells you all you need to know about that game. Spart- but yeah, Sparty's on borrowed time. They're, I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow lose three games before the regular season's over.
0: Sure. Yeah. I would not. Uh. I don't think I'd mind that. Yeah. I, I, there's just something about this Michigan State team that I'm just really not a fan of. Uh. Moving on. Just
1: win more or equal. Number of games is Michigan,
0: please. Right, right, for sure. Finish above Michigan, so we can make fourth in the Big Ten jokes, Big Ten East jokes. Next up, Northwestern seventeen, Iowa ten.
1: Sorry, I just I had to run to the bathroom to throw up for a second.
0: Yeah, well like I don't I don't know why anyone would watch this game, including the Northwestern and Iowa fans that we are friends with.
1: I do. I saw somebody. Um, tweet something out like how oh man too bad for Penn State that Northwestern won this game that could have made Penn State's schedule look a lot better as if Penn State didn't beat both of these teams
0: yeah like what
1: I mean I, I get that if Iowa had won they probably maybe would have snuck onto the the upper echelon of the also getting votes section of the AP poll but come on
0: yeah I yeah I, I, I don't know. Uh, Rutgers beat Purdue. Purdue, uh, uh-huh. th- this kind of proved what Bill Conway tweeted, which is they're going to terrify a, te- a much better team sometime later this year, but they're going to lose to a team they're much better than probably. And Rutgers, you know what? Let's give Rutgers a little bit of credit. This team, they're not great. they're 82nd at S and; P plus, 117th in offensive ;P plus. Defense, they're thirty third. Special teams, they're fifty fourth. This is a team that is not bad. Like they're not the terrible joke of a college football team that we're used to out of Rutgers. But that's a tough defense, and that's a team that. I, I mean, they have to come come to Happy Valley, but they're still going to try and punch Penn State in the mouth, and it's going to be gross, and it's going to be tough, and they're a well coached football team. I, I, I think this is a whatever their record is going to be at the end of the year. And currently they're three and four with the two and two mark in the big 10, the same big 10 record as Michigan. It's going they're They're going to be better than what their record indicates. And yeah, I mean, you and I've been saying it, Nick, Chris Ash, he is good at his job and he's just in a bad position.
1: This game made me really sad because this makes Purdue's path to a bowl game a lot more difficult. Um, but we'll deal we'll deal with that as we as we move forward yeah like I mean I've I'd quieted down a bit on it towards over the last few weeks but I was at least semi beating the Rutgers might not be terrible drum early on in the season when their defense played really really well against Washington and um, and then they did some bad things for a while but Rutgers won this game in the way that Rutgers has to hope to win every game, and that's by playing defense and
0: Janarian Grant returned a kick in this one, didn't he? I'm not sure. He might I, I didn't really get a chance to watch too terribly much of this one. I did watch All
1: I knew all like, I knew is that I turned it on and there were four there were thirty seconds gone off the clock and or twenty seconds gone off the clock and Rutgers already had seven points.
0: Ugh well, so I'm
1: assuming Genari and Grant returned a kick.
0: Sure, hey, that makes sense. Last, yeah, up. even even if he didn't, that's, yeah, that's right, we'll the, give that's a, that's we, the formula. we like we both like Genari and Grant a lot, so we'll give that to him. Yeah. Uh, last up, Minnesota beat Illinois 24-17 in a game where Minnesota's starting quarterback went five for 15. Uh, Minnesota ran the ball. Wow, really well. a
1: Minnesota game <laughs> ended with a 24-17 score.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, like this, this game sucked. Like I don't know why. Yeah, no. No.
1: Poor pour, pour no. one out for Lovey.
0: Nope, Lovey Lovey's in it to win it. He's there for Pray for Lovey. Yeah. Pray for Lovey. Yeah. Whatever. All right, so Nick, I think that's it. I think that's it for this edition of Roar Lions Radio. It's uh it was a fun one because anytime we talk about Penn State beating Michigan, it's gonna be a good time. Uh, yeah, as always, thank you very much for listening. Uh, follow us on social media at RLR blog on Twitter. We're on the Facebook and we're on the Twitter and not the Twitter. Well, we are, but I just mentioned that Facebook and Instagram, Roar Lions Roar, buy yourself some shirts. They're very and nice. And Snapchat.
1: I actually oh. put up some Snapchats from the account last week. I'll try to do it again this week.
0: Oh, that's weird. But yeah, Snapchat yeah. too. Uh, buy our shirts. They're still very comfy. Subscribe and all the million podcasting platforms we have. And yeah, keep reading and supporting the site. Uh, if you're going to game day in Columbus this week, bring a tutty sign or two. Uh, shout out to everyone who had them at game day this week because that was awesome. Uh, we ended up doing a uh, you know a little de facto contest and uh, we had a winner for that. So shout out to the person who won a shirt whose name is Travis Ish. I believe that's how you pronounce it, Travis. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, he, you may have noticed his sign. He put it up right next to Lee Corso while he was doing his headgear pick. It was awesome. And yeah, it was just an awesome weekend and. Thank you everyone who who just got up to Happy Valley and had a good time and supported the site in any way you could have. I saw signs, I saw shirts, all that. It was all great. And yeah, one last time, thank you for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For my co-host Nick Pollock, I am Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.
1: Toddies isn't a real word.